0: how you want your business to look feel and convey and what are the values that you want to hold true to yourself and also communicate with other people as well because the more authentic you are the more enjoyable building a business will be to you you're listening to untamed a podcast dedicated to empowering you the lash artist while providing insights on how to achieve success that is as individual and unique as you are. Each episode, me, Cheryl,
1: and me, Anne-Marie, share our best information openly, without reservation. We discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds for the Lash industry. So grab a snack and your comfiest sweater and get ready to geek out with your new Lash BFFs.
0: Oh, and don't forget to subscribe! Hi, lashners! Welcome back to another episode of the Untamed Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about something that I am deeply, deeply passionate about, which is
1: branding. So today, I'm going to be asking Cheryl all the questions that are often received in our DMs from you guys, the Lash Nerd community, in regards to building a brand. So keep your questions coming in, Silas. You know we love to hear from you. So let's get started. I'm personally super excited for this topic as well. I want to start with what does it mean to build a brand and not a business? What's the difference? I think what I look at it
0: is that when you're building a business, you are essentially selling something or building something that it's already been done many times. And in today's world, I think there's an abundance of everything. There's abundance of resources and there's also abundance of businesses as well. Back in the days, like maybe in the 90s, if you wanted to buy a really good foundation, maybe there's a couple good brands that you can choose from. Mm -hmm. But in today, not only you can choose from all these big brands, there's so many smaller brands that are creating great formula that's specifically dedicated to a skin type or demographic. And I think that because there's an abundance, it means that in order to be successful, you have to get niche. So every brand, it's a business, but not every business, it's a brand. So I think that that's kind of a great way to differentiate.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Now, does this apply to me if I don't have any interest to grow a larger salon? If I'm just an independent stylist, renting a suite, I don't want to ever hire anyone. Do I still need to grow a brand or is it okay to just continue with business as usual? Oh,
0: absolutely. I think building a brand, it's probably the most important thing, no matter what size of the business that you have, especially as a solo artist when you are entering the world of solo artists, you are actually competing with 80% of the industry since 80% of our industry are mostly solo lash artists. In order for you to stand out, like I was saying earlier, the difference between a brand and a business is that you need to have a niche. You need to have something that makes you uniquely you, right? We talk about it a lot on our podcast about how you have a unique lashing style, you have a unique learning style, but when it comes to your business, there is certain characteristics characteristic about your business that makes it yours, right? And that is what branding is. It's kind of thinking about personality in a person. And so when we think about branding, it's the personality of your business. So I think that regardless of the size of your business, you're going to find yourself having a lot more success when you focus on building your business like a brand, always taking that branding approach rather than just taking what someone else did and what works for somebody else and then replicate it because that just makes you a diamond dozen. And then also, a good thing adding on top of that is the most effective marketing strategy in today's world, it's personal branding. It's branding who you are as a person. So if you are a lash artist and a solo lash artist, what you're really selling, not only is your symmetrical fans that you create, the water that you provide in your salon and the snacks, but it's also who you are as a person, it's your personality, it's your interests. So that's why I think taking the branding approach, it's always going to get you more sustainable clients. That means clients that will keep coming back. And then also it's going to help you grow a more stable business rather than having a lot of people coming in and then leaving your door. You really don't want your business to be a revolving door of clients, you want to maintain a good book of business, and then attract similar clientele. And the only way to really do this is to establish a very strong brand. So yeah, I would say yes, no matter the size of your business, (laughs) you should focus on building a brand.
1: That's amazing. I absolutely love that. I remember hearing just like little details that really can go into building a brand. But let's say I have no idea where to even start. What questions should I ask myself to get started when it comes to building a brand as an artist who's never really thought about it before?
0: Mm, okay. I kind of created a little bit of a system for myself when it comes to answering the branding question. So I want to use this opportunity for our Lash artists who are listening, take out a pen and paper. Perhaps you want to write down these simple questions that you want to ask yourself as you go through this exercise. Whether you already have a brand already today and you just wanted to refine and tweak things, or you haven't really thought about your business as a brand and this is a fresh start for you. Either way, I think it's a really good exercise to go through this sequence of questions. And this sequence of questions is pretty simple. It's the 4W is the what? Who, why, and where? So these are the questions that I want. Let's all go through it together. So what I would do today is maybe go through each question and then elaborate a little bit to give you some food for thoughts as you think about these questions so that you can come up with your own unique answer. And remember, the only way for you to build a brand that stands out and a brand that is going to captivate and grab your ideal clientele gravitate towards is that these answer needs to be uniquely yours that applies to your business. So it's not a one size fit all type of answer to these questions.
1: That makes a lot of sense. So when we go to a spa or we get a service with a hairstylist, for example, and we think that everything they're doing is like pretty, <laughs> like all their branding, everything that they're doing, all their professionalism. Are you meaning that we're not wanting to necessarily always copy the fact that like, oh, I went to the salon that has a pink aesthetic. I'm going to copy that even though I actually don't even really like the color pink. Is that what you mean by kind of like finding your (laughs) individuality?
0: Yeah, that makes so much. We see that a lot, right? Especially in our industry. Most of us coming into this industry, myself included, when I first came into the industry, I knew nothing about branding. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about business. So it was easier for us to navigate all of this confusions and the questions that we have by simply mimicking what other people are doing, right? right. But yeah. And I think that that's kind of a starting point and it makes sense. There's nothing wrong with looking at what other people are doing and then trying trial and error and apply them. But I think by answering these questions, you're able to filter. This is what these questions are supposed to do. They act as a filter to help you kind of create your own North Star. So that when it comes down to it, you are, let's say, mimicking is a starting point for you. Finding what other people are doing well in the color scheme or the way their fee laid out is what makes sense in the beginning.
1: Right.
0: You can at least have a filter of saying, okay, I can take this element because it makes sense to my business and then disregard that element because it doesn't make sense for my business. But without answering these questions... You're just simply going to take copy and paste. That's the difference. When you copy and paste, that's when you lack authenticity and you lack individuality. People can see through that. And also on top of that, for an artist standpoint, it's hard to sustain that creativity when you're copy and
1: pasting. So true. And if it's not authentic to who you are. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Because you run out of creativity when the person you're mimicking or copy and pasting ran out of creativity because you don't really know where their starting point is. Whereas if you have created a North Star for yourself, and at UA, we've always done that. We always focus on understanding the why, why something works, understanding the first principle so that whenever we create anything, whether it's your policies, your business models, your aesthetic, your brand, and all of this, you will have some sort of authenticity in it. And then as you master that more and more and dabble more and more it just becomes more more authentic to you whereas copy and pasting you can never get there so maybe we'll go and start answering some of these questions
1: because i was going to say so you say that we need to do who what why where but this is great but what do i do with these answers that i come up to and how do i really answer these questions
0: (laughs) yeah okay let's start with who first i like that a lot so the who. What we need to answer is, who are we serving? We're in the service industry. So we really need to figure out who is it that we want to sell our service to? Who do we want to see once every two, three weeks? Who do we want to have a conversation with? Who do we want to open up and hold space for? Because that's what a lash artist does a lot of the time. There's an ongoing joke in the industry how we're the therapists, right? Absolutely. Of a lot of our clients. <laughs> And so knowing that that takes energy from us. So it's important that we understand who do we want to hold space for, who is going to drain us and who is going to revitalize us. And so when you're answering the who question, I like to think of it as two parts. Part one, you want to answer a demographic analysis. So this is the very basic. So answer this part of the question first of the who. It's like, who is this person in terms of their age? Where do they live? What do they like? What car do they drive? How much income do they make? What kind of career do they have? When you're answering this question, I want you to be as as niche as possible. So when you're thinking of that who person, it isn't a group of people, potential. It's not like your entire future book of clientele, but it's your favorite client. It's one person. Try to think about this question and answer this question with one person in your mind. If you have an existing business and you love one of your clients, you can think of her. She is your who. Let's say you're starting new and you don't really have the ideal client yet. Think of the person that you wish that was in your book of business. <laughs> could be a celebrity. Could be, oh. you know, somebody you know. <laughs> you really want to think of one person, not a group of people, right? So when you think about age, it's not 20 to 25. It's she's 23. Because yes, Obviously, when it comes down to it, the clientele can be in that range. But when you're thinking about that who, I want you to think of one person and I call them my VIP client like the MVP the person that I want my entire book of business if I can just take one client and then copy and paste copy and paste and copy and paste right who would that be right so we answered the demographic question first like where do they live what job do they have are they married do they have kids do they have fur babies like all their interests and all of this and this is what I call the demographic analysis and how I think of it is how the world sees her. It's like, that's what we see. We see this person drives a car. We see the person shop at this store. It's how the world sees her. Now, the second part you want to do, it's called a psychographic analysis. These are the questions that you want to ask are a little bit more about their inner thoughts. Some of my favorite question to think about is, what is their beauty perception? Do they think more is more? Do they think less is more? Are they a natural beauty, clean, cosmetic type of girl? Or are they drama and like it's, I want to be on Instagram all the time. This is kind of like what their beauty perception is. The next question you also want to ask is, what's their money perception? How do they view money, right? Because this is something I always think about how we have this common saying in the industry how lash extension is a luxury service. And everyone says that and everyone wears that kind of like a model for their business. But what we neglect to think about is not everyone thinks of money like that. Even the richest people doesn't mean that they just want the most luxurious thing. It all comes down to self-worth. Some people may think that I only want to get lash extensions because it's practical, not because it's luxury. Because if it's luxury and it's nice to have I don't deserve it. Or I don't want to spend my money on that. It doesn't matter how much money they have. It doesn't matter how much money they make. Is their money perception? Is that are they more of the type of person that wants to save and be more practical? Or are they the type that likes to enjoy the finer things in life? Understanding this, all of this is helping you form a narrative. It's helping you form how you communicate with this person. Because if you have your ideal clientele is somebody who is an engineer and she's practical and she buys things that she needs and not really and she wants to save up for investments and have a great retirement. When you keep saying eyelash extension is a luxury service, it's not going to resonate with them because they would tell themselves that. I don't deserve this, or I shouldn't have something that's so luxurious. Whereas if you create a narrative that's like, oh, this is time saving, it buys you more time back, it helps you look more professional, like all of this would be like, oh, okay, I need this because this fits my needs. So that's kind of why we need to understand their money perception. And the next thing is like my favorite question is what do they tell themselves when they look in the mirror and justify why they need eyelash extension? That's probably one of the
1: most Ooh, important questions. That's a new one. I like that.
0: Yeah, because you really wanna know how this person justifies spending, let's say if they're a returning client, anywhere between twelve hundred to fifteen hundred dollars a year on lashes. That's a healthy sum of money, you know? So how do they tell themselves that? Yeah, it is. Right? Like, how do they justify it? How do they make it that they don't feel guilty? Because guilt is what we talked about before, right? It's a part of human emotion. And it's one that attached to money the most. So how do they override those feelings? It's all about the internal narratives. So the who question is really knowing who this person is, the demographic, which is how the world sees her, but then psychographic, which is how she sees herself. Once you understand how she sees her, like how the world sees her and how she sees herself, you're able to formulate all of your copies, which is your captions, your blogs, the way you write your emails, the way you write your follow-up messages, you are able to formulate the right language to speak to this person and create a brand. Because brand voice is part of a brand, right? It's That means how does your brand speak? How does your brand present itself through verbal, like I guess through words? And you want to make sure that the words you use and the way you write speaks to your ideal demographic. So part of figuring that out is knowing who are you speaking to. And so- So that's kind of like how I think you guys should think about the who question. Like, who am I serving? It sounds a little bit kind of like creepy, but it's like really getting to know this person, you know, (laughs) really, really getting to know this person like it's the back of your hand. And like I said, can be a made up person, can be a client you have. For those of you who actually have a book of clientele that you really like, and especially like the MVP that I'm talking about you can just interview them you know you can either buy them a coffee and just be like hey I really enjoy having you as my client in the last however long that we've been together and I'm doing a little bit of restructuring in my business and since I enjoy having you as my client so much that I hope to attract more women like you and then list the quality that makes her amazing because you're ambitious because you are whatever because all these things that will make her feel good and say could I buy you a cup of coffee I just wanted to or like even just be like can I give you a discount next time whatever I just want to pick your brain a little bit I just want to kind of know a little bit more about you as much as you're comfortable to share but like just questions kind of like what shows do you like to watch what books do you read and really helping and then just tell her that you're just really helping me so that I can attract more women like you. I would be flattered if someone told me this. And I think your client will be too.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's basically. Yeah, they definitely will.
0: Mm, it's like being told you're someone's favorite. Who doesn't like that? And I think, or just being kind of more curious and wondrous when you're having these appointments. Because your clients are already so willing to share and so happy to share. Sometimes it's just taking a little bit more interest in them in the nuances. And that really helps as well for you to help you construct this who that you want to serve because ideally if you do this right you want to have your entire book of business full of that woman or men that's what you want to create you want this is what I guess in the technical term in marketing it's the archetype who is your archetype and this would be
1: the who Mm, I love that that was like a fresh take on it too Because I hear people talk about trying to attract your ideal client a lot, but this really dives into figuring out who that truly, honestly is. So I really appreciate you sharing a really fresh perspective on it. Now that's like the who. Which one are we covering next? What, why, or where?
0: Let's do what. Because I want to save the why for last. Because that's kind of, I think it's the most important one. And I don't know about you, I'm the type of person that when I'm eating, I save the best for last.
1: Mm, okay let's do it so the next is
0: what let's go (laughs) so when it comes to what i think this is really really important for you to understand what exactly are you offering in your service i'm talking about the exact type of service you're offering which is like are you doing volume are you doing classic are you doing both are you doing also permanent makeup really kind of understanding your book of service and know what are you providing exactly. And that's kind of the first part of it. And I think in every one of these questions, there's a two parts to this. There is the surface level and then there is the more underlying level of it. So the underlying level of what? It's what problem are you solving? Now you know this who. This person that you want to cater to. You know this person that you want to serve because you enjoy their company, because those are the people that you want to see once every two to three weeks, now what problem are you solving for them? So by answering the first question, you now know what's the narrative they're telling themselves when they look in the mirror, why they need lash extension. This is a great starting place. That question kind of already gives you a starting point in answering your what. What problem are you serving for them? Let's say I look in the mirror and I think that if I have better lashes, you know, then I don't have to wear makeup anymore because I'm really kind of a on not natural kind of girl, but I also don't want to look like I'm sick. So I just want a little bit of, you know, lashes on to make me look awake, but still naturally beautiful. Then, you know, what is the problem you're solving? The problem is that you're giving these women confidence without makeup. That's your what. Like there is understanding the service that you provide. But I see so many lash artists in the industry when they're communicating their business, right? They're saying, I offer volume 40 to 60s. And, you know, I use this type of lashes and also or like I do hybrid wet lashes. They name all of these technical terms and the verbiage that we use in our industry to communicate to their client what they're offering. This is great if your client has an understanding of what they're looking for or they've been with you for long enough and they've been trying a different type of services in your book and then they're like, okay, I want to try this instead of that. That's great. But unfortunately, majority of our clients don't know the difference. So when you're communicating what you offer, this is once again why it's important that we build establish a brand voice. Because when you know who you're talking to and how that person reciprocate information, you know how to write your service list. If I am targeting engineers, somebody who is very rational and very practical, maybe what I want to write in my service description is something that is a little bit more technical. Right, I explain the process of how this happens and what results it would give them because they're very results oriented. But let's say I am a creator, I'm artistic, and I am an influencer. Then maybe your description, you want to write something that's a little bit more aspirational. Like instead of saying classic one-to-one lashes, three weeks refill, blah, blah, blah. You will write, this is a natural set of lashes that gives you the mascara look. And then also when it comes to volume, it's maybe this is for those who enjoys a little bit more drama and enjoy a good night out. And then that complements their high glam makeup or something like that. So you really want to know you understand what you offer in the language that your industry speaks that just helps you in understanding your business but then really understanding what you offer in terms of what your client wants and how that solves their problem. So it's a really good starting point to always answer the who first and then you can do the what after.
1: That's amazing. I really like this like, a lot. It's making me, as you're talking about this, just kind of like reassess my business that I had and everybody else too, like all my friends who are in this industry. I'm like, hmm, hmm. <laughs> so we answer the who, then the what, then the where. What does wear mean? Okay, Where,
0: I think the reason why I added the wear in there, it's more in terms of a marketing reason why I added the wear. I really want you guys to communicate clearly the vicinity that you're trying to service. I think so many of us... Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right? Because I can say right now, I can go on to most lash artist page, Let's say they're located in Toronto, but somehow I'll see their followers from Vancouver. I see their followers from Texas. I see their followers from Utah. It's because when they're building their brand, a lot of people like I personally, actually, maybe we'll touch on this a little bit later. But people get so caught up in aesthetic and they don't understand that a brand isn't just what how it looks. Aesthetic, it's a part of a brand identity, which is the visual part of your brand. But most of your brand, it's like the meat of your brand. It's really the value, the philosophy, the who are you serving and the service that you're providing. And that gets overlooked a lot. So I added the wear because I think that gets overlooked a lot. It gets overlooked a lot in when we're creating content. Because when you're creating content and writing blogs and doing all of these like marketing effort, when you're overgeneralized, people are attracted to your photo and people are attracted to your caption. And you end up attracting a lot of people that doesn't actually give you money, that you would never be able to make revenue off. So one of the biggest thing right now, is like, I hope everyone who's listening to this Have your location in your bio, not just address, you don't just want to put address, but you want to put the general location, like the town or the general area that you're serving. Like if you're in Toronto, right, and you are in Richmond or something like that, you want to put Richmond, not just like your address in Toronto. If you are in like Texas, like where you are, Anne-Marie, you will put the Woodlands and then so people know. And if you don't have that, please add that into your bio right now because it really helps you filter out where are your people? Like where are your customers going to be? Because if you don't put it out there, you're not attracting them. So just putting a where it's really, really important because I can't tell you how many times like I go to a new city right? I try to look for hairstylists or I try to look for nail artists and it's just impossible for me to really nail down like where they are, like these good artists, right? Yes. And I think that just by putting a wear, you're able to help you kind of filter out a lot of people who didn't do that part pretty much. You know, you already have a leg up. I think another thing about wear This is like the bigger picture is thinking about where do you want your business to locate? We talked about like the literal where, putting into your bio and communicating to your customers. But like, where do you want your business to locate? It's also really important. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys a question. Take a second to think about it. But let's say if I want the entire cast of Real Housewife Orange County, should be my clientele and they're my <laughs> ideal clientele and I want to get them all okay do you think which one they're more likely to come and visit me at if a it's a home studio or b my studio it's a relatively spacious and well decorated single unit studio in like a strip mall or like a business setting where other beauty services are around what do you think anne
1: I mean, you know that I'm sitting here analyzing how both could work. And, you know, if yes. you build your brand right, you can make either work. But from my experience, I would vote for having an actual space outside of the home. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know that that's probably one of the reasons why you set up your business exactly where it is and the space it is and the way you set up, the way you decorated it and kind of having the easy access to parking. And I know that you've mentioned before, your clients really like your location, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I think that's the point I'm trying to make with the where you operate your business needs to coincide with the type of business that you want to attract. So let's say if you wanted to offer convenience and the people that you're really offering services to are busy moms that just want to come in and out and they don't really mind. Like, they would rather go somewhere in and out easily than to have to go to a strip mall, look for parking, pay for parking. You maybe operating from a home studio would make more sense. But mm-hmm. if you wanted to target somebody who is more affluent or has a little bit more money, they are going to judge your wear. It's a lot easier. Yes. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot easier to build that trust and build that credibility when your where speaks for your business as well. So think about it. We always think about how like McDonald's, right? If we ask what kind of business is McDonald's, people would say McDonald's is a fast food business. It sells burgers and fries, the best French fries, actually. But if you really think about it, McDonald's, is actually a real estate business. Because McDonald's actually takes place in all the most popular major intersections of all the cities. So the value of the place that they are located in are worth more than the burgers and the french fries that they sell. So if you really look in it, McDonald's where matters a lot. And I think for us, as we grow our business and our brand, to understand that it's very hard for you to convey let's say, luxury or to convey a certain type of business brand identity. If your business, let's say, is located in the basements of your house, but you have three kids upstairs running around, it's not that you can run a business from your home studio with three kids running around upstairs. That's not what we're saying here at all. But know that if that is where you're running your business, you want to make sure that your clients so your who and your what also aligns and makes sense for your where. And that's why whenever I feel like a brand that isn't as successful, it's often because there's a misalignment in their brand. So it's like they're trying to convey something. Let's say imagine UA is a brand that's trying to convey dare to be different which let's not imagine that that is what we're trying to convey. It's a brand (laughs) that embraces individuality. It's about inclusivity and it's about like the nerdiness. That's everything that we're trying to convey as a brand. But let's say our brand identity is very minimalistic, black and white, vogue, high fashion. Although high fashion and vogue and black and white is beautiful and it's aesthetic that I personally enjoy a lot, but there will be a huge misalignment Between the value that we're trying to convey in our brand and how our brand looks. And whenever, this is how the human brain works. We are a pattern recognition machine that is constantly looking for familiarity. Whenever something feels off, we may not be able to pinpoint it, put our fingers on it, describe it with words, but in our gut, we'll feel that it's off. And when something doesn't feel right, You just naturally doesn't really want to do it as much. You don't want to go to this business as much. You don't want to support this person as much. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you won't even be able to tell what it is exactly. But it could just be something that's off. Like that's what you would say, right? Like something that's off. So Mm -hmm. building a brand, it's all about coherence. It's all about making sure every piece of your brand that you're building from the way it looks aesthetically, from the way you talk, your brand voice, And to the value that you hold and the policy you create, there should be a coherence. This is why I said that mimicking, it's a great place to start when you're new to the business. But having these North Star helps you build a coherence in your business because you're running all your decision through the set of filter that you have narrowed down by analyzing the business that you want your business to become. And so that way you are able to cherry pick the right decision and the right thing to mimic and iterate for your own business.
1: So how does this all relate to the part you said is most exciting, finding like the why, answering why? How do we tie all this together?
0: Okay, now we get to answer my favorite question all of this sequence of questions is why? why even though i really think that this should be the most important question but i leave it to answer last it's because i think it's important for us to at least get the structure of our business down understanding who we want to serve what problem do we want to solve where do we want to conduct our business how we want it to look and then once you do all of this this is the part where it's you Becoming vulnerable with yourself and having a moment with yourself to really understand why are you in this business? Why do you do what you do? Now, money is a motivation for a lot of people, but money is only a part of the answer. Because if you really ask the question of why, layer and layer, you will get to way deeper answer and way deeper meaning. So let's say even if your starting point. Why do you want to be a lash artist? Well, it's because I want to make six figure a year. Let's say money is the reason. But why does having six figure matter to you? Well, it's because I want to provide for my family because I want to live a certain lifestyle. Why does living that lifestyle, why is providing your family matter to you? Well, because I want to show my daughter or son that their mother is an independent woman and that you know, that they can be taken care of, you know, and that loving somebody in your family, it's about providing, right? So why is that important? It's because like, then you get to this core of like, why do you do what you do? You may not get to the answer, like the philosophical answer right away. And I think that, a lot of people kind of get stumped at this question when they get asked this question. It's great. And you see all these Instagram posts and all these marketing gurus teaching you that finding your why, right? Finding your North Star, finding the reason that motivates you to get up every morning to do what you do on repeat. But sometimes that answer is hidden in layers. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about Letting ourselves peel back the layers of the onion. And when we ask, don't judge your answer. We talk about this a lot. It's like no judgment, no judgment to how you feel, no judgment about what you think, and no judgment to your answers either. So when you're asking this why question, don't judge your first answer. Let it come, write it down on a piece of paper, but then ask why is that important? And then you will get to your next layer of answer, And then you would ask again, why is that important? Until you kind of don't run out of answer. That's kind of where the core of your why comes from. Because it's easier for us to just say, make up a philosophical reason. Oh, the reason why is because I want to make other women feel beautiful. A lot of artists say this, but often I wonder, do they say this because it's the right answer that has been shared by Mm. a lot of other artists? Or do they genuinely feel this way? Or do they feel guilty or bad if they don't genuinely feel that way and that their answer is something else? Because it's so much more noble to say, oh, the reason why I want to be a lash artist is because I want to help women gain confidence and feel beautiful than to say the reason why I want to be a lash artist is because it makes a good income, have freedom. But how do you know that having freedom being a provider to your family isn't something that your audience resonate with. Matter of fact, I think that's something that they resonate with a lot more. Cause they are not like your clients aren't going to resonate with, oh, the reason they don't want to make other women beautiful. Otherwise, they'd be lash artists too. Right. <laughs> that's true. But they resonate with I want to be a provider for my family, or I want to be creative. I want to express myself authentically. These are the things that they would resonate with a lot more. So, in order for you to tr- find true connection between you and your like audience, your answer needs to be authentic. It can't just be a idealistic answer that you believe that you should have, but rather one that rings true to you and that has true alignment to you. So, for me, I would say the reason why I wanted to um, be a lash artist before, it's because I love showing people quality. I love giving people a mind-blowing experience. I love those moments where someone goes, ah, I never knew this was possible. It's like opening that door to somebody and showing them, something that's possible and that's the reason why I do it and I think that that's why people that come to me and willing to pay the price point that they pay it's because they're always trying to experience the ah moment that like oh my god like this is what quality feels like or this is what something very different and unique it's like kind of a memorable experience I think that's what it is. It's a memorable experience. And to me, it isn't just about making women beautiful. It isn't just about giving them confidence and all that. It really is because what I feel the most satisfied is when people open their eyes and say, I didn't know this was possible, that like, not this is how beautiful I look or anything like that, but like to have lashes that looks like this, to have an experience that feels like this. Remember the time when we went to a spa together for your birthday? Yes. <laughs> and that experience that I was able to give you, it's mm-hmm. what makes me really happy. It's taking you on an experience that makes you go,
1: wow, that was good. <laughs> right, right. I love that too. That's amazing. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> and, that,
0: and that is my why in why I was a lash artist. What about you?
1: What's your why? Why? Um, a few different reasons. A lot that has to do with just like kind of simplifying the ones like routine of clients that I had. So, you know, it's one less thing that they have to do. It gives them more flexibility to spend time with their family, which actually aligns with what I liked about being a lash artist is it gave me flexibility. So it gave them flexibility ah, to get the lashes in their life. I had flexibility with my schedule, with you know, making a good income without having to work like fifty, sixty hours a week, and being uh-huh. able to take time off I wanted. So it's still kind of aligned that way too. It's a lot of reasons, but that's like the one that I feel like, as years go on, has stayed consistent. It's just that flexibility mm. has been huge.
0: Yeah, see how that reason resonate with you too? Because we talk, humans are inherently selfish. And there's no negative connotation to selfishness. I think we assign the society, assigned that connotation to the word selfishness. But if you really think about it, it's like how taking care of yourself best makes you show up the best for other people, right? If the why that you have isn't inherently something that you care about and rings true to you, I wonder how sustainable that why would be, right? And how much authentic content can you create? How authentic would your conversation be when you are trying to sell to somebody and convince Mm -hmm. somebody why they need the service? The more authentic your whys are, the easier it becomes for you to sell things. Like I had a brief period of time as a financial advisor. And the reason why it was a very brief career, it's because I didn't believe in the product I was selling. I genuinely did not believe that what I sold was the best option for the people that I was selling it to. So as much as I feel like I can be pretty persuading sometimes, I just had no A, no motivation, and B, wasn't successful in like persuading people because I didn't genuinely believe in it, right? So that's why doing all creating a brand all stems from authenticity. I think in the process of answering these questions, in creating a brand, it's also a self discovery journey. It's a journey for you to discover who you are as a business person, who are the people you want to have around you, how you want your business to look, feel, and convey, and what are the values that you want to hold true to yourself and also communicate with other people as well. Because the more authentic you are, the more enjoyable. Building a business will be to you.
1: That's all for this episode of Untamed. Thank you so much for joining us today. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at untamedartistry.com. Don't forget to subscribe and remember, as your study buddy, we are always here for you. Don't hesitate to send us a DM at untamed.artistry.